Placentophagy, the practice of eating one's own placenta. It sounds like something off the favorite menu of fictional physician Dr. Hannibal Lecter. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Most non-human animals eat their placentas after giving birth, but humans historically have not. Nonetheless, this practice is becoming increasingly trendy, mainly because of the push from social media and celebrities who have no valid medical training or knowledge. Advocates of placentophagy claim that ingesting the placenta can prevent postpartum depression, reduce postpartum bleeding, improve mood, enhance energy, and even milk supply. Placenta can be ingested either cooked raw, made into smoothies, or encapsulated into pills. This is so widespread that there are over 700 placenta encapsulation practitioners in countries worldwide who are listed on the, quote, find placenta encapsulation directory, end quote. Another online source, the Placenta Remedies Network, lists about 100 more in the UK, Australia, Hong Kong, and elsewhere. Oh, and if you're wondering what this Placenta Remedies Network is, well, let me read you its description from its webpage. Quote, Placenta Remedies Network is a not-for-profit UK-based international network of placenta remedy specialists dedicated to supporting new families wishing to benefit from their placentas to boost their natural postnatal recovery. End quote. Let me just say right off the bat, it's not really clear why or how this idea went from, okay, animals eat their placentas in the wild, so moms in inner cities and in urban areas should eat their placentas postpartum as well. Where does this idea come from and why has it taken root so deeply, especially here in the U.S.? Well, we're going to dig into it and we're going to get to the bottom of it right here. So we're going to cover the origins, the data, and both the professional and governmental society's stance on this issue. So that's right. Go grab your plate of placenta and get ready because we're going to cover placentophagy, the practice of eating one's placenta. Just trying to keep everyone up to date on evidence-based practice because medicine moves real fast. This is Clinical Pearls. Kim Kardashian is fighting baby blues by, wait for it, eating her placenta. Oh my goodness, don't even get me started. We'll get to that in just a minute. First, an important note, this episode will deal with factual, historical concepts, as well as provide evidence-based recommendations and warnings regarding placentophagy. This episode by no means is meant to belittle or degrade anyone's personal preferences or desires. Of course, when addressing this concept with patients who desire to practice placentophagy, this must be brought up with understanding, empathy, and compassion. As with all current trends, there's always some bit of science and true history mixed with myth that gives these social trends new life. It's true. With the exception of marine mammals and some domesticated ones, all other mammals consume the afterbirth. Animal experts have two main theories of why this is done. First is that it could help with the bonding process. And then the other theory is that it's done in order to avoid detection by prey. In other words, it's done to avoid the odor and the smell of the decaying placenta that could attract other animals to the litter and basically eat them. 
And truth is, dried placenta has been used in some traditional Chinese medicines historically, and it's thought to be a restorative agent. But these followed strict cultural preparation standards and were never meant to be used in the immediate postpartum interval. In fact, Sabine Wilms, who is an author and translator of more than a dozen books on Chinese medicine, has scrutinized classical Chinese texts on gynecology and childbirth. She stated, quote, There's no written evidence at all of women consuming their own placenta after birth as a mainstream traditional practice anywhere in China, end quote. Another tidbit of truth that gives fuel to this fire is that in rats, there is evidence that placental eating can reduce the pain from rat birth. Yeah, there's studies from rats that have shown that ingestion of the placenta can enhance the effects of opioids naturally produced in the rat's body. These are part of the pain-relieving system activated during labor and childbirth. The pain-relieving properties come from a unique substance produced by the placenta known as placental opioid-enhancing factor. Like rats, human placentas are also thought to contain the opioid-enhancing factor, but it's destroyed by exposure to temperature above 40 degrees Celsius, and human placentas are usually heated to around 70 degrees Celsius during the encapsulation process. So it's very unlikely that if this opioid placental factor is even in it, that it's going to survive the encapsulation process. And eating the placenta raw poses significant health risks due to bacterial contamination from the birth process itself. Isn't that interesting? You see, there are these little elements of truth that find their way into the system. And then poof, that social media trend is on fire. And let's stop here and address another common advocacy stance for this practice. Hey, we eat other organs from animals like liver and brain and tongue. So why not the placenta? That's totally accurate. Well, there's several reasons why the placenta shouldn't be classed as the other organs that are typically consumed. Well, there's actually several reasons why the placenta shouldn't be placed in that same group. First, most other organs are mainly made of connective tissue and collagen. The placenta is made of mostly vascular components. That means that it quickly desiccates and degenerates quickly after expulsion from the uterus. This makes it a perfect culture medium for bacterial colonization and proliferation. Secondly, the placenta is exposed to GU bacteria, including the potential for some sexually transmitted organisms, making it a health risk. And thirdly, there's just no standards for the safe preservation and purification of placental tissue pre-consumption. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, at least I think that sounds reasonable. I mean, I understand that we eat other organs, but the reasons why we shouldn't include the placenta in that cohort sounds pretty fair, sounds reasonable, doesn't it? But still, why did this current fascination begin and how did it take hold? Well, we may have to thank our very well-intended celebrities for some of this. U.S. actress and vegan Alicia Silverstone has published placental recipes after heating her own afterbirth. 
Then, of course, there's madman actress January Jones, who advocates for placental encapsulation since she did that after the birth of her own son, Sander. And let's not forget about Kim Kardashian's placental pills. Well, why should we listen to non-medically trained entertainers, and why should their advice take hold? Okay, wait a minute. Let me play devil's advocate here for just a minute. Maybe these celebrities are onto something. Maybe they got the idea from ancient societies and ancient cultures, and they're just trying to bring it back. Nope, it doesn't appear so. A University of Nevada, Las Vegas research duo, Daniel Benshek, a medical anthropologist, and Sharon Young sought to investigate the origin of this practice, and they conducted an anthropological survey of 179 societies. Not one revealed a history of mothers consuming their own placentas. This was published in 2010 in the journal Ecology, Food, and Nutrition. But here's an interesting finding from their work. Another published survey that they conducted found that most women who participated in this practice were, quote, American, Caucasian, married, middle class, and college educated and were more likely to give birth at home, end quote. These results were published online on February the 27th, 2013, in the same journal as their 2010 research. Remember, that journal is the Ecology, Food, and Nutrition. All right, fine. So it's not an anthropological issue, but maybe it's somewhere in the medical literature, right? Well, yes and no. Aside from unique cases of ancient Chinese medicine, there really are no medical texts in history advocating for human placental ingestion as a way to prevent postpartum depression or as a way to enhance energy. Eating placentas post-birth appears to have started in the U.S. in the late 1960s or early 1970s. All right, podcast family, listen to this because I think this next part is just fascinating. I mean, I love when we can go back, do some digging, and the stuff that we discover with our team is just like, what? (laughs) So we actually found an article back in 1972 in the very esteemed medical journal called Rolling Stone. Yep. (laughs) In Rolling Stone magazine, the same Rolling Stone, that's the traditional pop culture magazine of today, this lady wrote her letter to Rolling Stone, describing in detail how she had her natural childbirth, and then how she looked on her placenta, being high, mind you, and it just looked so good. She just had to steam it and eat it. I'm going to give you that story just coming up in just a minute. Now, this was actually picked up by a physician and actually wrote this up in the Green Journal. Yep, the same green journal that we have today, obstetrics and gynecology. But let me set the stage here, okay? Because this physician who wrote about this in the green journal is William Ober. He was a physician at Beth Israel Hospital in New York. This isn't some kind of like secret information. I mean, you can actually search for this in the green journal. It's wild. Now, apparently, four years before Ober writes this snippet regarding that Rolling Stone article, he had an article published in the Green Journal about placentophagy, all right? So that's 1969. So the earliest kind of medical literature wording of placentophagy that we could find was 1969 in the Green Journal with William Ober, where he writes, hey, animals eat their own placenta, um, but thankfully humans don't. So he was actually writing not to advocate for it, but to continue to say, don't do it, to prohibit it. And this was 1969. 
So he did that piece, and then Rolling Stone released this lady's letter in 1972, then causing William Ober to write the letter to the editor in 1973, all right? Now, I can't find the original 1969 article by Ober in the Green Journal. I can only find the article description, but I do have that letter to the editor. Let me read that to you right now. The following is taken directly from William Ober's letter to the editor in the Green Journal, and the title of this letter is Placentophagy. Quote, to the editor, your journal kindly published my article on placentophagy about four years ago. At that time, I commented that it was almost unheard of for the human female to eat her placenta. Recently, my attention was drawn to an article in an underground press in which the writer recounts her experience in having the delivery of her child in 1971. The female in question lives in a commune and had natural childbirth assisted by some of her friends. Here is the final paragraph of her article, which is of some interest. I wouldn't look at the baby until he was all the way out. His cord was still attached to the placenta inside me. Bill cut the cord and Doris wrapped him and handed him to me. I held him, but I was so wasted that I handed him to his father. Then I pushed the placenta out into a pot. It looked magnificent, purple and red and turquoise. Then me and Bill and the baby crawled into bed together, and everyone left except Rebecca, who stayed behind to steam the placenta, and I ate it, and I shared it with friends. It was wonderfully replenishing and delicious. We lay in bed the rest of the day together, watching the clouds, feeling tired and joyous, end quote. All right, now hold on a minute. Is that not wild or what? I mean, it seems that this whole idea of placentophagy stems from the early 1970s, late 1960s, and it really was fueled by somebody who was high and said, man, that placenta looks good. Let's steam that. Uh, yeah, you just cannot make this stuff up. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the... Must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I don't know why, but after hearing that description, I mean, don't you just feel like saying, right on, right on. I don't know. I don't know where that came from. All right, let's get back to the show. Now, let's leave the 70s and go to 1984 with Mary Field. Remember, we're talking about the origin of placentophagy and how this thing started taking root. In 1984, Mary Field, who was a registered nurse in the UK, recounted eating her placenta after birth as, quote, an unmentionable experience, end quote. She did this to ward off postpartum depression after the birth of her second child. Again, this was done without any human evidence of effectiveness. And notice that she actually mentioned this as the unmentionable experience. So she knew it was kind of taboo, but she did it anyway. Now, before we get into the data on this, or now before we get into what the data for this actually looks like, isn't that remarkable? I mean, you see how people just need to go back, look through history, see what was done, put a little bit of life back into it, and then 
poof, the concept is regenerated or resurrected. Kind of the whole deal with the lotus birth that we talked about in another podcast. Again, remember, as I've said many times before, nothing is new under the sun. This isn't a new concept. Kim Kardashian did not come up with it. I mean, this has been around for a while, for decades, for 50 years at least in the late 60s, where we can find the first medical word, placentophagy, in a valid medical journal. But this is nothing new. But that doesn't mean that there's data to support it. So let's tackle the data issue now. Outside of anecdotal reports from self-reported participant surveys, there is no systematically conducted research that proves placentophagy's benefits. A 2015 Northwestern University review of the literature on the subject found no evidence that placentas improve mood or physical health. The first placebo-controlled study of placentophagy was published in November 2016, and it also found that placenta capsules had no impact on postpartum iron levels. This 2016 publication can be found in the Journal of Midwifery and Women's Health. Then, in 2019, a study published in the Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology Canada, the lead author of which was Emily Morris, also helped to provide some key insights. This study is the largest so far to look at the effects of eating one's placenta. Researchers used data from a 10-year genetic study that involved 138 women with a history of mood disorders and compared data on outcomes between those who had eaten their placentas and those who had not. Using validated scales, including the Edinburgh Postnatal Depression Inventory, there was no significant difference between the comparison groups. This study also showed that women who consumed their placentas did not have more energy, had no increase in their vitamin B12 levels, and required no less lactation assistance than women who did not consume their placentas. Now, as we near the end of our episode, we do have to cover what professional medical societies and national organizations have to say regarding this practice. The United Kingdom's Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists has repeatedly said, quote, no scientific evidence supports any benefits of placenta eating, end quote. And then back home here in the States, the American Academy of Pediatrics released their statements regarding the practice in their clinical reports issue, which was published on January the 24th, 2022, in the journal Pediatrics. The publication is titled, quote, Risks of Infectious Diseases in Newborns Exposed to Alternative Perinatal Practice, end quote. The AAP states, quote, Bacterial contamination of consumed placenta may cause infection in the individual who handles and or consumes these materials. The placenta, once extruded from the body, is colonized with maternal genital urinary flora. Handling and preparation of the placenta for consumption may also introduce bacterial contamination. The later may come from the individual, usually the mother, who prepares the placenta or from companies who perform placental processing. Methods to reduce infectious contamination include heating, steaming, or dehydration. But the optimal temperature and duration of cooking is unclear to avoid getting infected with GBS, HIV, hepatitis B, or hepatitis C. There is no industry standard, formal certification, or regulation for placental processing. End quote. The AAP also goes in to describe the case report also picked up by the CDC, describing a case of horizontal transmission of GBS to a 5-year-old newborn resulting in late-onset disease. 
This baby developed bacteremia and septicemia, and the CDC and the AAP have both kept this as the foundation for its warning against the practice of placental ingestion or encapsulation. You can find this case description on the CDC's website from its June 30, 2017 published weekly report in MMWR. ACOG does not have its own bulletin on placentophagy, but does point the reader to the AAP and the CDC's website. Because of the known potential risks here and no established benefits, ACOG, the CDC, and the AAP all agree that this is not a practice that should be endorsed. Always respectful, of course, of the patient's wishes and desires, but we cannot condone, endorse, or approve of this practice at this time. Podcast family, as we get ready to wrap this up, we have to take this final take-home message and the final clinical pearl directly from an April 2018 publication from the American Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology. This publication was under the section Expert Review, and it was led by the author Alex Farr, and this is the best review and summary of the practice that I could find. Quote, We have found that there is no scientific evidence of any clinical benefit of placentophagy among humans, and no placental nutrients and hormones are retained in sufficient amounts after placental encapsulation to be potentially helpful to the mother postpartum, end quote. All right, podcast family, I hope you found this not just interesting or actually quite fascinating, but also helpful in how you have these discussions with your patients. Remember, we're not here to belittle or degrade anybody's personal perspectives or viewpoints. But as evidence-based practitioners, we also have to stick to the facts and adhere to patient safety. As always, we appreciate you and we're thankful that you're part of our podcast family. So we'll see you next time on another episode of Clinical Pearls.